What does the cleaning industry really talk about? Beyond Clean with Ace is a podcast to explore just that. Now in its sixth season, Beyond Clean with Ace has hosted hundreds of influencers from around the globe. Listen to people who are excited about providing healthy, positive, and proactive information. Share their experiences, passions, and helpful tips. Now let's join our host, Dave Thompson, Director for the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, as he speaks with yet another leading influencer from our industry. Hello, everyone. This is Dave Thompson here again with you. I'm on another episode of, well, you got it right here, Beyond Clean with Ace where we in the cleaning industry talk about anything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Now, you know, we, we talk about cleaning all the time, and cleaning something that we always have to have, commercially or, well, at home. Um, the only thing here is, is every once in a while, something comes along that we go, wow, I'd like to talk about that, and it doesn't have to do with cleaning. Matter of fact, you know, I, I have this link to an organization called Podmatch, and they send all of these kind of different uh, people to me that want to be on shows, and we interchange ideas and stuff. And I saw one come up, and I just said, I have to talk to this lady. There, if for no other reason than I have a favorite flower, and it happens to be the title of her book. So if things work right for us today, Let's see if we have Emily Johnson. Hello, how are you? Oh, gosh, it's so good to have somebody else on the other end and not talking to myself. <laughs> Some of us will drive us crazy if we constantly have to talk to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think after six years, people probably don't want to hear me talk a whole lot. So, Emily, <laughs> who are you? What do you do? And why are we talking about my favorite flower today? Well, um, like you said, I'm Emily Johnson. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and I am, gosh, I wear many, many hats. I am a writer um, by, well, I guess you can call it a profession for me. But what I actually get paid for is to do marketing and advertising. Okay. Um, I work with a, I'm freelance and I work with a number of um, clients from all over the world and a number of different industries from nonprofit all the way up to, uh, believe it or not, body armor. Um, so <laughs> it's a very diverse, very fun job. Um, I am the mother of a seven-year-old, soon to be eight-year-old, and um, that keeps me busy with the other half of my life. Uh, folks, it happens to be Halloween when we're recording this, so now wait a minute. A seven-year-old son, Halloween, um, somebody's going to be real busy tonight. I will be. And I lost a bet about what car was faster. I should have never questioned my son's ability to know about cars. And now I will be in a seven foot blow up dinosaur costume tonight walking around the neighborhood. Uh, folks, I, I, I'm sorry if you're listening to the podcast. My mouth just dropped wide open. I had no idea we were going to talk about um, a blow up dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> Mom of the year. Um, <laughs> Emily, I, I'm like, I'm, yeah, everybody's going, okay, so I know we're not going to talk about cleaning, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure they weren't expecting Halloween costumes to be the topic of our conversation. <laughs> you got to go where it flows. <laughs> so um, the reason that I chose to talk with you is because th there's a, a, a flower that has always, well, it's just kind of meant something to me because it starts out as absolutely just a green pod. And then it comes out to be this most beautiful thing. And I got to tell you, I moved to Florida a few years ago and my wife likes all these potted plants and everything. And I said, there's only one that I have to have. I got it, put it in a pot and took three years before I saw how beauty it could. It took forever. <laughs> what am I talking about? You are talking about the bird of paradise. Um, which is also one of my favorite flowers as well. It is the title of my book, um, and it features very heavily um, symbolically within the book itself. But this book was actually started by my mom when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, and it was kind of a way for her to escape what she was facing. Um, it was not, obviously for anybody, it's not an easy diagnosis to receive. And so she started writing and her favorite flower was the bird of paradise. I'll never know exactly why she wrote it um, with that title, but I know she had a bird of paradise that followed her everywhere, whether it was inside or outside. 
And, um, you know, it's just something so majestic about them. Like you said, they start out from just a green leaf and become this tall, beautiful, vibrant colors, um, which, you know, reminds me of my mom. She wasn't tall, but she was vibrant. And she, was <laughs> and she just had this majestic, stately, you know, aura about her. Um, and that is, you know, it, so it means a lot more than just the title of the book that we co-wrote together. I, I think it's so interesting that, and, and as you said, the symbolism, I'm sure. And I kind of look at that a lot because, you know, in the cleaning industry, you know, we're just kind of there where nobody sees us, nobody appreciates us, but yet you need us. Uh, you can't live without us. Um, I'm not saying flowers are that way, but, you, you know, many times it's just when you start looking past the outer part, you start seeing a lot more. And I think that's why we like to do the podcast is to find out more about what makes things happen. And, you know, that your mother started a book and you finished it. That's not something that happens all the time. No, it was, it was something completely unexpected for me too. I was 13 when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and then I was 15 when she was diagnosed with advanced stage ovarian cancer. And, you know, that's that um, she wasn't supposed to make it more than a few years when she received that diagnosis. And amazingly, um, when I was 15, when that happened, I was 30 when she passed away. Um, wow. so she made it many, many years long past what she thought. But it was kind of one of those things that you couldn't predict. She didn't know one day to the other if she'd go to the doctor and find out things had gotten worse. Um, right. She faced eight surgeries and countless numbers of chemotherapy. And so one of the things in this book, she never let me read it. She wouldn't even tell me what it was about. She just always kind wow. of smiled and said, you'll know someday. Um, and then as I read this book, this book centers around a family and particularly at the beginning, a 17 year old girl um, who's a senior in high school, just on the cusp of being a woman, you know, sure she knows exactly what she's gonna do and exactly where her <laughs> life is going to go as we all do. <laughs> I was just thinking, man, I'll tell you what, didn't we know everything? Oh gosh, yes. Um, you know, but you know, as we all find out, you can't determine, you know, you can't pick what happens to you in life. You can only decide how you're gonna respond to it. Right. And she finds herself suddenly on this path of self-discovery where she has to figure out where she lives and what she does in this new world, both physically and emotionally where she belongs. And so it follows her journey that she takes. And so much of the book, particularly at the beginning is really this family where um, particularly the mother and father impart this wisdom, the, the things that we all want to tell our children and what we want to make sure our children learn from our mistakes or learn from our successes or, you know, really it's the wisdom that a parent has the ability to pass on to their child. And my mom never knew she'd be here to do that. So there is a lot of little things within the story of this fictional family that was my mom's way of making sure she was going to be able to pass that on to me should she not be here to do so herself. Yeah, I was just thinking that you have a seven-year-old. And so the thing is, she was trying to give you her wisdom because she really felt and she she really knew at that point she was not going to be there um, to be a grandmother. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and she certainly wanted to be. I mean, she. Had oh, yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. You know, when she got the diagnosis of the ovarian cancer, the breast cancer was the easy one, if you can call any cancer easy. But when yeah, she I was just going to say, right. When she got the diagnosis of the, of the ovarian cancer, you know, she told her doctors, um, I can't use the exact language on a podcast she used, but she basically told them, you better make sure I'm here for my daughter's wedding. And I don't <laughs> care what you have to do. Um, and she was there. They, she, she, I mean, you wouldn't believe what she battled, but she found doctors that looked at her as an individual and not just as a statistic. And she was very proactive in her own health. She stayed on top of it. If she felt something was wrong, she didn't feel like, oh, well, I don't want to bother the doctor. She went in and fought for it. And she just was not going to accept being one of those numbers. And she was there at my wedding. Her doctors were there at my wedding, um, which was really special getting to dance with her doctors um, at the wedding. And you know, she passed away a year and a half later. Um, so she, you know, she made it and she was going to be there, but I, my son, I was 32 when my son was born. So, um, two years after she passed away. Um, and there is a lot, there is a little boy 
in this book is part of the family who is about the age of my child now. And there's a lot of wisdom passed on about how to be a mother um, and things, you know, that you're going to face that when you question your ability to be a parent, that's okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, and how to get through those moments. Yeah, I, I, I just can only imagine the, uh, the feelings that went with, you know, read, I mean, because you didn't know she wrote it. So, you know, all of a sudden you get all of this. Those first couple of years after finding that had to be tough in a lot of different ways. Oh, goodness. Yes. I mean, it was, you know, she left a letter for me that I found a couple of weeks after she passed away. Um, you know, we were very lucky at the end of things that it happened very quickly. We didn't have to put her in hospice care. It was one of those, if it's going to happen, that was the best way. I got a chance to say goodbye. I had that last conversation. So many people don't get that. And she didn't have to suffer. Um, you know, and after 17 years of facing cancer, I couldn't have asked for more. But, um, you know, when I, it, the letter, you know, was, it was a very long letter. Parts of it actually feature in the book itself. Um, but the end of it was basically saying, you know, I know now this is where my story ends. So I hope you'll pick it up and finish it with yours. And wow. I, you know, the, the feelings of finding that, I mean, my feelings were still raw enough as it was. <laughs> and oh, yeah. then, then I find that, but I sat down and read it immediately. And I just couldn't, I was overwhelmed because I felt like I was still talking to my mother. She wasn't there physically, but I could hear her voice in the characters. And she wove in these little stories and traditions that were from our family, you know, like Christmas and how this family celebrates Christmas was the same way we did. And it brought up a bunch of memories and, and it was really wonderful to read. And then when I got to that black and white line of where she ended, because she stopped writing um, probably a year to six months before she passed away. And looking back on it, I think she did it on purpose, knowing that finishing this book for her was going to be how I was going to deal with my grief. Because I'm, you know, I'm now talking on podcasts, but it's been 10 years. Sure, and, yeah. Um, but at that point, I was a very private person. I was not the kind of person to go out and seek help from a counselor or really even to talk to my family about it. And this was a very nice way to be able to get through it. And so, you know, she created all the characters except for one. I knew who that character was and the role that character was supposed to play. But I think she wanted me to be able to write that character myself. And oh, I yeah. Enjoyed that. And then I had to come up with a story arc. You know, I mean, these were not my characters, but I had to figure out where their their story was going to go and where it was going to end. And I was able to put in the symbolism of the bird of paradise, build upon what she had and, you know, finish the story. Um, and I like to think that it's where she would have taken it as well. But the fact that she entrusted me with something like this, I mean, it's a 572 page book. Wow. And in the end, we, you know, between what I wrote 100% and then having to go back into what she wrote to make sure the two, you know, it was a complete story and not, oh, well, here's one story. And this is clearly somebody else that's finishing this story. Um, you know, I had to go back and put in those little Easter eggs and those little, you know, hints that made sense when you got to the second half of the book, basically. And yeah, yeah you had to do justice to what she had done. Um, and, 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 and you're going, Mom, I'm not a writer. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like in advertising and marketing, you know, I write, but it's a totally different type right. of writing. You know, I have yeah. column inches and word, you know, counts and and you just got to say what you want to say and move on with it. And, you know, a tagline is vastly different than a book full of fiction. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're writing, you're writing a, a, basically a fictional novel that yeah. has a, a personal, a, a really personal uh, attachment to it. Um you're going, mom, I got a whole different career I'm doing. And it's like, you're sending me on a whole new path. I'm, well, yeah. And, was, and you said you're, you're in your mid thirties and you go, it's too late for another mid path. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, do I have a midlife crisis now and completely switch professions? Or do I, <laughs> do I? So, you know, it took me eight years to finish it. And part of it was that because I knew after reading what she had written, I knew exactly where I wanted to take the story. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, I can imagine I you did. I, I, gotta, I gotta ask a question though. How long did it take you to read the, 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 the actual book that she wrote after reading that letter? Um, it took me about two days. I couldn't put it down. Wow. I sat there at my computer and just read and read and read. I cried. I laughed. I, you know, wanted to throw my computer across the, you know, room. <laughs> certain things happened. I did an 
oh, mom, how could you? <laughs> and That's oh, not the way I remember that story. <laughs> and yes. And, you know, and clearly the high school boyfriend was heavily based on mine. And we now know she didn't like him. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she like, oh, told me that earlier. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to read, but then I had to write the book and I immediately wrote it. I wrote the ending before I wrote anything else and backtracked my way to that black and white line. And then it was just adding in the description and, you know, bringing it up to the level. She was very, very poetic, very descriptive. Um, you know, she really wanted to write this as if it was a movie and, you know, give just enough detail to the where your mind can take it what you want it to be but a lot of people that have reviewed it have said it's like a movie playing in your mind I don't write like that so I had to go back <laughs> and put I mean it was like I've often said it's like oil painting you got to put layer upon layer upon layer back on it so what my first draft was and what the published version was was eight years of adding in description over and over and over again to bring it up to her level because this is her book um, I wasn't going to change any of it to match my style. It was me that had to match her style. Yeah, you had to learn. I mean, you know, I, I'm going, you, this had to be a journey of actually learning your mother in a way you never thought you would ever learn her. And it was, I mean, and that's what was so amazing about this opportunity. And, and she never did anything unintentionally. So she intended this to be <laughs> my ability to, you know, forever have in black and white her and her personality and so much of the, the characters of the father and the mother are very similar to my parents they have the same kind of love story the family is very similar to the closeness my family had um you know it's almost uh, dare i say idyllic um i had a one you know my parents were wonderful i'm an only child we are incredibly close to one another you know, sure, I had my moments where I was like, well, my parents know nothing and I know better and go away, roll my eyes. Um, you know, but in the end, I, I'm very lucky that I had what I had because my parents, we were always, they treated me as an equal. Um, you know, I always knew where I stood with my parents. I always knew if I disappointed them and did something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, um, I'd much rather stay in jail than have to go home and explain it to my parents. And um, not, I never went to jail. Let me just. I, I didn't say anything. I would keep it quiet. See, it was the fear of doing that and disappointing my parents that that always kept me, you know, on track. And yeah, I played competitive golf. You can only get into so much trouble on the golf course. Um, okay. Well, I'm not. I, I'm not going to. I, folks, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I'm, I, don't write to me and say, "Hey, I got in trouble," because we don't really want to know those stories. <laughs> You know, I have to think about this. Your your husband now, uh, new husband, is now having to deal with all of this, too. This had to be a whole family issue? It was. I mean, I couldn't have gone through this without him. Um, we have now been, well, we've known each other for 15 years. We've been married for 11 years. Okay. Um, you know, and so he knew my family um, very closely. He and my mom really got along really well. He and my okay. dad really well so when he when we had to deal with this because the end kind of came as a surprise um you know one day she was okay the next day she was in the hospital and a week later she was on life support and my husband was just there as he was a steadfast rock you know and i knew i didn't know until afterward how emotionally um of a hit this took on him as well losing mm -hmm. her um but i mean if it hadn't been for him i don't know what I would have done, um, you know, because my dad was, my parents have been together for well over 40 years. And this was my, my dad was, you know, dealing with it as well. Um, you know, so I wanted to be there and be strong for my dad, but I needed somewhere to be there and strong for me as well. So since you mentioned dad, and I knew we'd get to that somewhere, did he know all about this? And what does he think about all this? I mean, what did he learn about his wife that he didn't know? <laughs> He does, he knew she was she was riding it again. She never said anything about it. But I think, you know, for him, I, I think it was kind of the same thing. I mean, this the beginning of this book takes place in San Francisco during the 60s when my parents both grew up in San Francisco during the 60s. Um, and, you know, with flower childs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they what? were. To Berkeley, so they were definitely flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, I think it was for him, it was very special too. And then, you know, apart from this connection with his wife that had passed away, he also got to see 
me kind of bloom through it. And he saw how I went from, you know, I'll never stop grieving her loss, but I was able to kind of progress my way to a place where I was able to live with it on a daily basis and not live in the past. It helped me just like the character in the book move from her past where she thought she was going to be and cross into that threshold of her future. And I needed that kick to do it. And I know, you know, he is very proud of it. I mean, I think he he's just so happy that I finished this and I fulfilled my mom's wish and and it's been successful. And, um, you know, he read he was the very first one ever to read the final final. Ver well, not final version, but the first final draft. And he had some great comments. Um, there was one section I wrote in there that um ended up being taken out simply because he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my daughter knows about this and wrote about it. And I think you need to take it out. <laughs> I was, I, you, you led me, you, I was just thinking in my head there, Emily, I was thinking, you know, I wonder when did dad actually read the first part of it? And when did he see, uh, how much did he have involvement in what happened? He, I mean, he never, he did not want to read it until it was fully flushed out as a first draft by me. Okay, um, so he didn't see mom's original. He didn't, he never saw mom's original. Um, you know, he knew about it. He knew she was writing it, but just like me, he had no idea what it was about. Okay. And so, you know, and he, he loved it, but he did make that comment. And I'm so glad he did because um, it, it would have taken the book in a direction that, I wouldn't have wanted to take it at the end. And I think it was kind of, I, at that point, I was trying to write for kind of the audiences that were around at the time um, or All still right. are around at the time. And then I realized that's not what this book should be about, you know, and it's, it's not a spoiler to say this book goes from a coming of age and kind of gradually starts moving its way into a romance as the character ages as well. It, it evolves and it matures along with the character in the book. Um, but we, we toned it down a little bit and I'm really glad I did. <laughs> so, my grandmother read that draft as well. My mom's mom is uh, 102, I believe. Oh, wow. Still around. Um, and I, you know, when you get to be that age, you never know, obviously. And so I wanted her to read a first draft as well, just in case, because she had never read it either. Um, and she loved that section. My 102 year old grandmother loved that section of the book. And, um, but I'm glad I listened to my dad <laughs> instead. And I'm, I, yeah, it, this is, you know, my mind's going around right exactly as you're, as you're going there. I was thinking, okay, we got the immediate family, but there has to be uh, some parts of family and you said grandmother. Um, the book came out when? The book came out on March 29th, 2021, which would have been my mom's 71st birthday. Um, so we're talking just a little over a year ago. Yeah, just a little over a year ago. Um, and so, you know, it was, it's been, she, my mom's older sister is still around as well. Um, my mom's older okay. sister probably knew more about the book than anybody because the two of them would be on the phone talking where my mom would ask, hey, you remember when we did this in San Francisco as kids? Where were we exactly here? The research part of it. So, and my, so my aunt was involved in that. They were incredibly close to one another. Um, and so, you know, it was really kind of amazing getting to show my aunt and my grandmother what the final product was. Um, my grandma has given out the book to everybody in her retirement community. And, you know, my, my whole family has read it. And my goal, you know, on this, is I never went into it to make money. Um, you don't as an unknown. No, no, no. You, you'd went into that to, to finish what your mother, yeah. her and dream. My only know. goal was that one person who was not related to me would buy the book. And um, I have far <laughs> exceeded that goal. <laughs> but... Um, I was just, I, I'm so proud of it. I am so glad I get to leave something for my son. Um, he, he's gone around telling everybody that his mother's famous and, and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, makes me feel so good. He drew a picture of the cover of my book for art class one time. And, and I just seeing his pride in something that I put so much time in and something that I took so much pride in. Um, just kind of, you know, gives me the warm and fuzzies. And now I've left a bit of me. He gets to know his grandmother through this, who he never met. And he's going to have me in the pages of this book as well. And that's yeah. important for me. I'm, I, I was thinking, you know, he has a legacy. He doesn't even realize yet. He's too young to realize the, the full impact of what uh, his grandmother and his mother 
will have left him at some point in his life. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's so important to me because that connection to your family, um, you know, growing up, not knowing if my mom was going to be there day in and day out and knowing that she was facing something, you know, that, that was deadly um, and would probably eventually be deadly. Um, there's no other, you know, way to put it. It made me yeah. realize how important family is and how, how much the connection to family members needs to be there um, because you don't get a second chance at a family. And that's so important to me. You know, Emily, as we, as we got ready to get on the podcast this morning, um, you know, it's an interesting thing as I've done this with a number of different people outside of just the cleaning industry where we're just talking about, you know, mopping floors, cleaning toilets, washing windows. But when you get into talking to people about really why do we do what we do, it's an interesting thing I've noticed as the years went on now, how most of the people that I have as guests on the podcast have a personal happening uh, event uh, and sometimes trauma, uh, personally or family, that makes them say, things have clarified for me and now I want to talk about it. And as you said, it took some time to talk about it, but now we find ourselves. this is not what I ever thought that I would be doing is standing in front of a microphone, you know, talking with people on a weekly basis about their lives and what happens. Uh, that was not what you thought you'd be doing. I, you know, I'm thinking, where is the future for Emily? If she's finished this, man, there, what, 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 what's the challenge now? You got this done. <laughs> the challenge is raising my son. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, okay, now, well, I wasn't going to talk about the son, but Hey, I mean, you know, it seems like it always comes back to, but I mean, that's your future now. It is, you know, and, and something that's really important to me is looking toward the future. Um, and part of that is one of my mom's greatest legacies is teaching me how to be proactive in my health. Um, you know, I, I, she was BRCA positive. So unfortunately with that gene, this was pretty much a guarantee that the breast and ovarian cancer was going to come, um, from a very early age in my twenties, I ended up getting tested for it as well, which, you know, can go both ways. Um, I'm very lucky. I don't carry the gene. Um, oh but still well, I, 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 I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to ask, but thank you for letting us know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk about it because a lot of it also, you know, one of the, the, like I said, the legacy of my mom and the one that I get to carry on too is speaking about her experience and how that has now made me, you know, I, I am very religious about getting my, my exams done and, you know, and, and, and monthly checks and keeping up with my doctor and knowing that if something doesn't feel right, there is no need to hide it until it becomes a problem. And sometimes it's a little overdone and sometimes my anxiety goes a little far, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Sure. But I know so many women that, you know, they don't know to go get checked or they don't know, you know, their family history health wise. And it's so important to do it because if you can catch things early, you can survive them. And, you know, ultimately that's our goal is to survive them and live a long and ha healthy and happy life. And I owe that to my son. I owe that to my husband and I owe it to me. And had this not happened to my mom, you know, maybe I wouldn't be in that mindset. You know, maybe I would kind of be mm -hmm. in that mindset that I was as a child as, you know, bad things never happen to you. Mm -hmm. um, this could never possibly happen to my mother. Yeah. And, it it and takes us a while to learn those lessons. It does. And this is not the way I wanted to learn that lesson, but I feel like I owe it to my mother and I owe it to, you know, women everywhere and men for that matter about how important it is to be proactive in your health. And I, I have this ability to get out there to talk about it. And, you know, it's funny, I end up talking about that a lot more often than I do about the book. And that's okay for me. I mean, it's, it's something that I, I am capable of talking about. And if I can touch one person's life, help them through grief of their own or, inspire them to go get checked themselves. Um, you know, that's an amazing gift I have, thanks to my mom. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's it. You know, I, I don't talk about my surgery that I had two years ago a whole lot, but it seems like every time I talk with somebody like this, it it's just that common bond of a, a real personal trauma that we've went through. Um, uh, yours is yet to come, maybe, maybe not, you say. 
and we hope that it continues that way. You know, my doctor said after I got through with my heart surgery, he said, you know, what brought you here to begin with will bring you back. We just don't know when. It's a scary thing. I mean, you just, you know, it, it may happen to me, it may not, but the most I can do for myself is to make sure that if it happens, I'm equipped with what I need to get through it. And, um, and you know, and that's I, that proactive part of doing everything that we know that we can instead of being ignorant of the facts and just saying, as you said, it's not going to happen to me because exactly. you know what? Uh, we're human and these are the, this is the environment we live in. Um, I'm thinking, let's see, there's other things in your life other than the book and the sun. Oh, yes. Let's not forget people that are listening and watching to the podcast today. Um, I, you know, I read all of this and stuff and, and I missed marketing in there altogether. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's really fun. I started my career, um, I'm a journalism major, um, and specifically in public relations, which is kind of great because it opens me up to do just about anything that's related to writing, um, or for that matter, anything that's not, you know, scientific based. There's a reason why I didn't go into anything scientific or mathematical. Um, it's not my forte. I'm married okay. to an engineer, so I evened myself out, um, but it, um, I ended up starting my career at the PGA Tour in their marketing department. I was a competitive golfer through high school and part of college, um, and I love playing golf. And so what better way to, you know, combine my degree with my love of golf? And that was an amazing experience. I mean, it's apart from all the perks of working for the PGA Tour, I really enjoyed it, um, really, really enjoyed it. And then kind of my mom had um, another diagnosis of cancer, and that kind of prompted me to reconsider living all the way down in Florida. Um, and so I moved back to North Carolina and I started working in the fundraising department for Carolina Ballet, which is a professional ballet company here. I was a ballet dancer for years as a kid um, until Point Shoes took too much of my time away from the golf course and also ruined my feet. So, um, but again, okay. that passion into my job was wonderful. Um, and then, you know, when I, I, I decided to kind of move that on um, to, um, believe it or not, working in the real estate industry where I ended up doing a lot of marketing and advertising and management in the real estate industry. And then after I had my son, um, I decided, you know what, between paying so much in childcare and missing out on so many, you know, little things in my son's life, I decided to pull back and I started going freelance. And it's been um, the fact that I have the ability to do that is absolutely amazing. And that is due very largely in part to my husband. Um, you know, he's very supportive of me doing it. I walked away from a big salary, but he knew how important it was for me, um, both personally, um, you know, to be there for my son and how important it was for my son. And I get to walk my son to school every day and I get to pick him up every day. And in between, I get to do what I love and I have the control over my life of, you know, getting to do focus on the things that I love the most and have that passion for it. And it's made a world of difference for me. Um, and I couldn't be more thankful to my husband for for supporting that. And I, I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. The process of going through the book and doing this through your mother, I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Um, has to have some effect on the choices you make today for your future. It does. I mean, apart from the health part of it, um, right. one of the big things in my mom's book what, and, and one of her biggest wishes for me from the letter that she left me was really learning how to live my life full of passion and never accepting, you know, just the status quo, finding that place that she called sanctuary, which is, you know, where you know who you are and you like what you know. Um, you know, and it's, it's when we're younger, it's very, we want to fit in so bad into these little, you know, places. And, right. and as you get to be an adult, you have this ability to become your own person, but make your own, but then again, as adults, we still deal with that wanting to fit in. Um, yep. you know, so her big thing was finding that place that was just mine and where I would have that passion for life. And I would, I would be happy with who I am. And, you know, I, ironically enough, I kind of got to a version of that place um, after, you know, a, a, a not so happy relationship with someone when I was younger 
got to that place where I said, that's it. I'm focusing on myself. I'm focusing on my career. I'm going to find who I am. And right as I got to that place where I was happy at that age, which was in my 20s, I met who was going to be my husband. Um, you know, and, and, and I could bring a complete person to that relationship and that place, that sanctuary, you know, changes as you get older, um, you know, not to reveal my age, but in 20 days, I'm going to be 40, which is a big thing for me. (laughs) Um, And and it it is a milestone for anybody, you know, but it's kind of a, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, there's not a three in front of my number anymore. Um, and so my place of who I am and, and liking who I am, it's changing slightly um, because I'm hitting a new new part of my life. I'm a mother. You know, my son is changing me quite a bit. And, you know, and, and I still battle with things. Um, I do. I will admit I suffer from extreme anxiety. Um, I, you know, I haven't done anything um you know, other than learn kind of how to walk myself back from that cliff of almost falling over, um, you know, Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately, my mom was the one that used to do that for me. So as she once she passed away, and as I became a mom and did the whole, oh, my gosh, my son sneezed, do I run to the emergency room? um, You know, the anxiety got worse. And I'm learning very slowly how to deal with it um, myself. Um, You know, and so there are times where I forget, you know, to find that sanctuary. But it's still there. It's a lesson that I think is valuable throughout my whole life. And I really strive to, you know, what would mom do in situations? So being freelance and being able to be at home has to be a, a, a good option. But sometimes that isolation is is not so good for that. Um, you know, what? it's funny. Yes. I mean, there's moments where I feel like if I could keep my mind on something else, maybe that wouldn't be happening. But I am also a very type A perfectionist. So working in the corporate world was also stress inducing. Okay. I mean, have it done by 532 and 20 seconds. I was going to just bash myself for failure. And okay. that's a personality trait. I can't stop it. I've learned to live <laughs> with it and accept it. I, I I do know that one. I do know that one. I, 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 you know, some people say, just put it out there, massage it later. It doesn't have to be absolutely perfect when you put it out there. But, it's uh, so but that's hard. been a hard one. And that's, that's something that once it's there, Emily, it doesn't go away. No, and it doesn't. And so I've learned to accept it. But having this ability to freelance, I mean, I do, you know, I make time to work out every single day. And I couldn't probably do that if I was working nine to five or let's face it in marketing, you're working 24 hours a day. And that's important not only for my health physically, um, because certainly that helps to combat certain things such as cancer and heart disease. But mentally, that is where I find myself being able to release a lot of the anxiety and stress. I kickbox. Um, I get this, you know, hour of uninterrupted getting to beat up something and not get arrested for it. And (laughs) it's, you know, and so it's a great stress relief. Um, you know, I know that when I, my son is home, my son has a hundred percent of my attention. So I'm not battling that stress of trying to balance a, a corporate work life with, you know, being a mom. I don't have to make that choice. I get to combine the two of them. And sometimes it's hard for me because I do face deadlines still. Sure. Um, but, you know, but it's, it's, it, I have more freedom to set those deadlines. And then, you know, with COVID and when the school shut down, my son was in kindergarten and being able to be there because he did a virtual kindergarten all year. And I can't imagine what it would have been like trying to work in an office and maintain that as well. The people that had to deal with it, my heart goes out to them because I, I was so lucky and so fortunate that I could sit at my dining room table and work while he was on online. And I got to, you know, this incredible opportunity to look at the positive of it, watch my son grow at a time where I wouldn't have been there at school to watch him all of a sudden blossom into this new, you know, part of his life where he's reading and he's doing math, which clearly within the next few years, I will no longer be able to help him on. Um, Algebra is where I stop. But, um, you know, I, I had that and I am so grateful because my son did so well on that. But I think a lot of that was because I had that freedom to be there. And so while there is the isolation portion of it, I've also tried very hard to make sure I'm not isolated as much. I'm very involved in his school and um, in school safety and um, just volunteering in his school, which I wouldn't have the opportunity to do otherwise. So you have to make that choice. Again, it's, you can't respond, you know, you can't stop something from happening in life, but you do, 
you do control how you respond to it. And my response was, okay, I can't sit here and just stare at my computer screen all day. I have to get out there, make my own life as well. And when that's intertwined with my husband and my son's life, that's wonderful. But I also have those moments like going to the gym and working out, which are just mine. And I don't let anybody interfere with them. I don't want my husband coming to the gym with me because it's my time. <laughs> he and might get beat up and you might be put in jail. Exactly. So, but it's so important to find that. And it's not, and that's something I dealt with a lot of mom guilt because of it. I mean, there's some times where I just need time by myself and I just need not to be, you know, mom, 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 mom. Sometimes I just need to be Emily um, or I need to be nobody <laughs> for a while. And I think, I think what you're explaining really, though, is I think there was a lot of people that have come out of the COVID era that we now call it um, with a different realization that there's a different work-life balance than what we realized before. And, you know, I've always said we are a product of the environment we choose to make for ourselves. And we have the ability to make those choices. This is why I say on this podcast, this is all about healthy, positive, and proactive. And you've You've hit all of those in, in spades for me today. Thank you, Emily. Um, because it is the healthy choices that we make, both mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, you've hit all of those, and it's a journey that is, will always continue for your, your life. But we have the ability to either take that negative and make a positive, dwell on the negative, or use both of them as we go forward. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's... And I'm not good at it all the time. I'm a work in progress. None of us are. I mean, you, I can focus on the negative sometimes to the point where my husband is just like, would you just please be quiet and, and go away. Stop watching the news. <laughs> Don't beat on that punching bag. <laughs> and that's enough out of you. <laughs> um, but, but I am, you know, I do always have that question in my mind when I start to, to stress out about something or feel the anxiety. I mean, I've been very open and honest. I suffer from panic attacks. And, you know, and it took me a little bit of time to admit that I suffer from panic attacks because I didn't want to be, you know. Um, well, that's the hardest part, right? You know, it's, yes. You know, and, and it's not a sign of weakness. It is no. who we are. It's right. uncontrollable for one thing. And, you know, I think being able to talk about it has made me stronger. Um, I know I've had the pleasure of talking to some people who now feel like they can go talk about it. And, um, you know, and it's, and I still do border on at times where I'm like, oh boy, I'm about ready to get that panic attack. But then I, I've learned how to pull myself back and try and look at something that's positive. Um, and for me, you know, that's the way I deal with it. Other people need to count backwards from 10 or they need to look at something, you know, that's in the here and now. And, and I think just learning to accept who I am and the flaws and, you know, the good that encompass who I am has lightened up my shoulders so much, um, you know, and, and that comes with age and experience. It does, but it's also something if I could go back and tell my, you know, 10 year old self to do something, it would be, you know, give yourself a break, lighten up. You don't have to be perfect. And, and it's okay. You know, in, in, in everyone's flaws, you can find a strength. And I'm learning that slowly as I go on. And this book kind of really helped emphasize that. And I kind of feel after, reading my mom's book and then finishing it for her and everything that has come after it um, has just been so personally therapeutic. Um, and I think she left that gift for me on purpose. You know, as you were, as you were talking there, I was thinking about the next stage and, and it's interesting. You brought it back to the book. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was thinking of, I can just see a sequel, the paradise of life. Well, and it's funny. That's actually, thank you. I need to write that down. That is a great. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was just, it was just something was coming to my mind, you know, the paradise of life. Well, I'm definitely putting you in the acknowledgements when I title my book that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that, but I'm just thinking, you know, this is, this is what we're talking about. How do we put this all together? And, and your mother put together her start, you put your finish to it, but I'm like, you know, I don't think the story's ended here. It's kind of uh, like the mid-step. And, you know, uh, I, I can just see so many things from the. Uh, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. it. It's just, you know, I think this is what makes our life what it is today. You know, I, I there's so many people say, why do you do this? I'm like, I talk with people that inspire me. 
I don't need anything else. I mean, I'm inspired by what they do. And thank <laughs> you for being an inspiration. Well, my pleasure. And I am, I, I do want to write another book and actually, you know, oddly enough, this is kind of the beginning and the end isn't written yet, but I want to go back to the beginning all the way to tell the story of the parents that are in the book, because that will allow me to delve in and explore my dad. Um, you know, on. I see my mom and the care, I, I see both of them in the character of the parents. And so this would kind of give me this chance to then connect to my father. Um, he and I are very close, so I don't mean it in trying to reconnect with him or anything like that, but um, to tell their story. Uh, so are, have you have you went and, and, and I'm just thinking, interviewed the aunt to find out what she's got to say before? I haven't. I really should. Um, you know, I have my grandmother and I both have an interest in, you know, ancestry. Um, I've done ancestry.com and she has written down everything she knows about the families. Um, in college, I had an assignment to write about um, someone um, that inspired us. And um, other than your parents, otherwise I would have written about them, but I wrote about <laughs> my grandfather. And so I had a chance to delve into his entire history too. And so I've got that, but I want to be able, I mean, my, my aunt was there when my parents met and my aunt, my aunt and my dad actually went to grade school together. Yes, I do. I want to go back because I want to know, and I want to leave that for my son. I mean, my son knows Pa, he adores Pa and they, uh, you know, and Pa adores him, you know, and so he has that benefit cool. of knowing his grandfather, but I want that down in a book as well. And I've tried, but I cannot get past the first sentence. It starts to become too much of a stressful thing for me versus an enjoyable thing. Um, but someday maybe I'll get there. You know, and, and, and that's, uh, you know, the, those, the, that's the part of history that's still yet to be written. It or, is. I mean, quite honestly. And it's, we'll see someday, maybe. <laughs> Emily, you know, I, I just had this feeling that we were going to have a whole lot to talk about and, I, I think we could probably talk a lot more. There's so many more things that, uh, you know, it's come to my mind with this. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just racing with all the things that you could put to the sequels to, or the additions to, or versions of volumes of, I don't know. I'm not a writer, but I'm just thinking of all those things, you know, 500 and some pages. I think that there's a lot more pages to be written. I don't have another 500 page book in me. I can tell you that <laughs> anything I write will be much shorter. <laughs> <laughs> um, folks, if you want to get hold of Emily Johnson, uh, scrolling underneath our podcast as we've been uh, taping this this morning is her website, the title of her book. If you're on the audio version, it will be in the show notes so that you can get to that. Um, basically, it's emilyjohnsonwrites.net. Um, I, you know, I, I would usually I say, is there any other words of inspiration? But I'm like, there's so many words of inspiration in this whole hour that I don't know. I'm sure you've got another one to give us as a golden nugget here as we leave. Oh, goodness. You know what? And, it, and it's it's not to end kind of on a, a semi-sour note, but one of the things I really learned, um, you know, going through the grieving period of losing my mother is that no two people will ever grieve the same and that it's okay to forgive yourself because you'll get there if you let yourself go on your own path. And again, find that sanctuary where you know who you are and you like what you know. Part of it is going through that period of letting yourself be okay. EmilyJohnsonWrites.net. You can find the podcast if you're listening to this or just a piece of it. We are at BeyondCleanWithAce.com. You'll find the AcademyOfCleaning.com is where we have all of our certifications for our Rockstar programs uh, for cleaning uh, education. You'll find us all over the place, you know, the Twitters and the the LinkedIn, the Facebook, and all of those. I got all those social media. You'll find those all in the show notes of both the video and the audio. Emily, there's two questions I ask of every guest when they first come on. Um, are you ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I probably know, but I'm going to ask, where were you born? I was born in Aspen, Colorado. 
See, and I would have missed that one. <laughs> Aspen, Colorado. Aspen, Colorado. I was there till I was 13 before moving to North Carolina. Folks, there was a lot of things that I knew about Emily and we talked about that I could have brought up, but we just didn't get to it. But I'm going to ask you, Emily, for next year, what is on your personal bucket list? Oh, goodness. You know, um, well, hopefully my son won't hear this, but we're taking him to Disney World next year. So that's been on my bucket list as a mom. But in all honesty, if I could really think about a bucket list, it would be going back to Italy. Um, I want to see it so bad again. I had a, um, I had a um, study of concentration in school of Italian archaeology. And so I, last time I was in Italy, I, was a, um, I had just graduated high school. So my concentration in Italian archaeology didn't take place until college. So I want to go back there with that knowledge. Any um, particular part of Italy? I want to go everywhere. I want to go to Naples, to Pompeii, to Mount Vesuvius. And my son is just as fascinated with it as I was. And then I just want to make my way throughout the entire country, head to Florence, and then up to Venice, obviously, because part of the book takes place in Venice. <laughs> and that was all Memory. I tell you, folks, if you're listening to this podcast or watching the the the, the video, uh, she has a big trip. We need more sales of the book. Yes, yeah, just <laughs> buy it, you know, because I do need to be able to buy a drink before I get on a nine-hour plane ride with a seven-year-old. So, <laughs> folks, there's a reason we ask these two questions at the end of our podcast. We now know that Emily was born in Colorado. We know some of her life's journeys, and well you know, her aunt and where her son is. Um, we know what she wants to do next year. And it's interesting that almost every guest that I've had this year has all said travel. Uh, we <laughs> just didn't get enough of travel the last two years. So it's all travel, right? Exactly. exactly. I got to make up for two years of no travel. The reason we ask these two questions is it doesn't matter where you were born. It does matter the journey that you're on. We don't know where your journey is going to end. But what we do want you to do is make sure that you keep that journey healthy, positive, and proactive. Until we talk to you again next time, we'll see you on the airwaves. Thank you, Emily. Thank you.